As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. All right, welcome to the latest edition to hear that podcast growling. Paul Inner Jr., Jay Morrison of The Athletic coming to you after the Bengals oh, suffer a, just a devastating defeat. How they will recover from this, we do not know. I'm just kidding, of course. It's uh, it's preseason, honestly. Uh, the fact that we even know that they lost is probably actually pretty good for us. Uh, what was the score, Jay? You're in Washington. You might have paid attention to such things. It was 17 to 13. They blew a fourth quarter lead. Oh, <laughs> brutal. Um, there's a lot of things to get to in this. The only score that kind of really matters that anybody's really talking about was zero to three. Yeah. And that was completions on passes directed to Jamar Chase, as we will discuss his three drops. Um, a little more. I have a column up on that. Ain't trying to answer the question, how should I feel about this? Uh, And so you can read that up on the site right now. Um, Subscribe if you're not, all those good things. Let's, Jay, let's talk a little bit about a few other things first, and then we'll get to the Jamar Chase discussion. This defense, man, I I, got to say, if, if you are actually asking about my Real takeaways from this game as far as impactful, useful knowledge of what to expect this season. I'm taking way more away from how this defense played than about offense or Jamar Chase or any of that. I, I They just have been so consistently good at every turn, and this was the biggest example of that again tonight. Yeah, it really was. I mean, we saw a little bit of all of it. We we saw uh, Cheeto Awuzier with some really good single coverage on Terry McLaurin, who just lit up the league last year um, in the end zone. Um, we saw a fourth and inches stop, which 
I don't know. We've seen too many of those in the past. Uh, DJ Reader and Larry Ogunjobi really just plugging up the middle of the line and and getting off the field on that one. Uh, guys getting hands on balls, um, near picks. Uh, Logan Wilson forced a fumble. Um, just there, there was a lot to like. Even it almost felt like going back in time. The the first play of the game. I don't know what was that. Twenty eight yards. Uh, a, a tight end running wide open in the defense. Um, and you're thinking, oh boy, here it goes. And, and they really recovered from that and, and really played well. If you take that one play out, they've not given up a touchdown. Um, I mean, it's what four series, but still it's, you have to be encouraged by the way this defense is playing. It's, it's not all Joe Burrow getting comfortable, Jamar Chase getting comfortable, the stuff we've seen in practice. They're, they're doing it against legitimate offenses and, and shutting them down. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I mean, as legitimate as Ryan Fitzpatrick will be this year, but I mean, also, this this would be one thing if we were talking about three drives in a preseason game. This would be one thing if we were talking about a play here, a lucky tip ball there. We're talking about a full camp. We're talking about last week against Tom Brady. We're talking about this week to a more extended version against all the Washington ones. And consistently very good and consistently very good at things that they weren't necessarily very good at last year. Rushing the passer being first and foremost. I mean, we're back in the backfield all game. Larry Ogunjobi pushing the pocket. Hendrickson hovered off the edges consistently, you know, getting back in there. There's just there's just so many things that you want to see happening there where I mean I think at one point somebody on Twitter said is is the Bengals pass rush this good or the Washington offensive line this bad because people just don't expect to see that but they worked so hard to fix that this offseason and I think when their first team has been in there specifically um, it's really shown itself yeah not not quite the the pass rush it was last week where they, they had two sacks and they had them for four quarterback hits um but it was there was a, i mean cam sample was back there darius hodge was back there they had a couple times where they they had the quarterback uh whether it was fitzpatrick or heineke dead to rights and um either a a, a guy takes a, a wrong step a wrong angle but it was they they had pressure on them um a a lot and it's it's encouraging because you look at it, how thin they are. I mean, Osai didn't play tonight, obviously, after the injury last week, and now Cam Sample gets hurt this week. They they need guys, and seeing guys like, like Sample do it, seeing Darius Hodge do it again for the second week in a row, not on the same level, but uh, that that's going to be key because you have it, – it feels like a much improved secondary. So you you, you couple that with an even stronger pass rush. And it's it, it none of this feels like a fluke. It, it feels like this defense can be legit. We we think we said a lot in the offseason. If they could just get up to like middling to around the middle of the pack and and this offense will be so good. It right now you're starting to think maybe it's the defense that carries this team and oh hopefully goodness. the offense can become middling. Yeah, they bet they better hope the defense isn't counted on to carry this team. <laughs> but I but I but I would agree with you that I think you come away much more optimistic about their their ceiling. One, 
but more importantly, their floor. I just feel like it doesn't look like barring a, a, a you know a massive disaster of health this year that this team is is going to be one you know awful. I mean, not with everything that we've seen thus far and with the amount of money they put into it. And those pieces just seem to be gelling and kind of understanding how to work together. It can all change very fast, as we know. I mean, we're still talking about preseason and camp. And you can go two to three games into the regular season and make statements like that and be made to look like a fool. So nobody go cutting this out and using it against me in the future, please. Uh, I don't like that. But, uh, you know, I, I do think I do. I feel like for me, the floor is higher. Um, on on the expectations for for this defense this year. Yeah, I would agree with that wholeheartedly. All right, let's take a second and switch gears here and hear from a sponsor. Do you like Formula One but struggle to keep up with everything that's going on? Then we have the podcast for you. Introducing the Race F1 Briefing, the podcast that brings you the latest F1 headlines in 15 minutes or less. With new episodes dropping on all four days of every race event, you'll never miss out on hearing what went down in practice, qualifying, or the Grand Prix itself. And we'll also bring you all the behind the scenes news and gossip from the F1 paddock as well. If that sounds like the F1 podcast for you, search The Race F1 Briefing in your podcast app of choice. We'd love to have you join us. So let's discuss this. Everybody, to me, and this is kind of what I was trying to get at with my column on the the three Jamar Chase drops um, in three targets. And along the same ways as we discussed the defense, this would be one thing if we were talking about three targets and three drops in a preseason game that has not been a topic or anything that we've discussed or seen um to this point that's not what it is this is something that we've been talking about that has been going on in camp the entirety of camp uh in in some capacity and jamar chase has talked openly uh about how he's really still trying to get up with the mental timing and the reaction timing of it all as a rookie and being in a new league not having played last year it's all part of the knocking off rust aspect of this um that said I think we all kind of thought that night that this type of stuff wouldn't be happening as much anymore. I mean, this is a number five overall pick in the draft who should be expected to catch the ball. Um, and I, I, as far as how you people should feel, I'm not telling anybody how to feel. Uh, I don't think it's a big deal. Uh, I, I think it's closer to nothing than something, but. I do think what happened Friday night with him is just kind of like Zach Taylor said. It's frustrating. It's disappointing. You know, you, you, I, the urgency of him to kind of get it together a little bit more, I think ramps up a little bit because we're three weeks away and he's counted on to be a big part of them being explosive against Minnesota. And uh, I, you know, that kind of needs to, Start happening. Yeah, the thing with me tonight, we've seen this throughout camp. It, it it almost seems like they're intentionally trying to get Jamar going. It seems like the the first pass of 11s is always to Jamar Chase. And more often than not, 
it's one of those drops. He, he, he tends to have them early in practice. And then sometimes it gets a little better. It doesn't mean he doesn't have any more throughout practice, but he, he just always gets off to that slow start. That was the thing after his first one. In that first one, he looked like he was falling down a little bit. The ball was a little behind him, but it was an average receiver has to catch that ball, let alone, like you said, a number five pick in the draft. And you think, okay, that one, he's going to get his head right. He's going to get his hands right, and he'll get the next one. And he did not. It was another drop and then another drop. And you just wonder, I mean, when – Zach said it's frustrating and disappointing. We asked to talk to Jamar Chase. He, he was not made available after the game. You wonder where his head is at because this has to be frustrating. He, he has no history of this. And, and so w- what does that do to a guy when all of a sudden something like like maybe it's the yips or you know a, a golf analogy, something like that, you, you wonder how he gets out of it. I, I It's not like I don't think he will, but it's still it's – it's really, really surprising. This is not what you would have expected. There, were, you, you expect, you know, maybe struggling with press coverage with with elite cornerbacks and, and some of the other technical aspects of of making the leap to this level. But the the routine process of catching the ball, it's it's it really it's kind of staggering that it's it's gone on like this for this long and. Now, not just in a practice, but under the lights in a game with everyone watching. Yeah, and and I don't, you know, I, I don't necessarily think that it's anything where you come away and you're like, oh man, this, this is screwed, right? Like, this is this is messed. I I I mean, I think it's something that y- you work on, and I do think this is a symptom of still not caught up with the speed of the game, with his timing, with his eyes. With you know the the second one, which is really I think the most disappointing of all of them, because he runs a nice route, the ball is placed into a tight window right where you want it to be, but he's his speed wasn't there. It was like the ball got on him faster than he anticipated. His 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 eyes weren't weren't getting around to the football when he came out of his break. Stuff that just needs to be a snap faster, where you're right there, you're ready for it, you're anticipating. You're running into the window. You're running into the passing lane window. You know, it's almost, I'm not going to call it lackadaisical, but I mean, it's just you expect it to be crisper for anybody. Um, you know, and it's, and it's made more prominent when T. Higgins is, you know, showing off his absurd range, uh, in a catch radius on the previous, on the same drive. And Auden Tate's over here making juggling circus catches as he only can do. And, and you, and, and then there's sort of like the opposite end of it. And, and I'm sure it's frustrating. You wonder about the mental state of it. If that's, to me, that's the only way this becomes a problem. I went back through his old PFF draft eval just to double check myself. He had five drops in 118 targets in 2019. And I, I know I think I meant, might have mentioned earlier on a podcast. I can't remember if I did about. I kind of reached out to Brody Miller at LSU and asked him about that even during the practices, and, th- and he said no, that was never a thing. Um, you know, with Jamar, even in 2018, 
when he was still, you know, he struggled more with, uh, okay, early in his career trying to get off of press and they were working a lot of different issues there with speed of the game type stuff. And maybe that's what we're seeing more than anything, but um, nothing with drops. And so when something like that comes so out of nowhere, I still think that it's more exception and it's going to be the rule and it's just going to be a matter of getting the confidence and timing going. But like I said, I just, I just think that it's just, it's just disappointing. And you, you, now there's there's a little bit more urgency on fixing it and going back to work on it. There's one thing we know about Burrow and Chase at this point. It's that they will address it and work it to death, to exhaustion, to, to try to get it fixed. We've seen that with Burrow with the pocket stuff, and we're going to continue to see it with Chase uh, on this, I would imagine. And, and they've still got plenty of time to get right. Yeah, I mean, the question we've talked about it is that is that third preseason game going to be kind of like the old fourth one where nobody plays and now you've got this dilemma do you do you put Jamar Chase in there to work out the kinks or if you do rest everybody do you just take it for granted that everything's going to be a-okay on September 12th when they play the Vikings it's kind of a, a tough if, if that is the plan if the plan is to not play these guys very much at all in that third game that that puts Zach in a in a tough spot because I, I don't know what the right answer to that is. I, I think you need to get him in there and get him more snaps. And um, you know, what was it? Three series tonight, um, at least that many in the third game and just try to get him going, get three, four or five targets and, you know, hope it doesn't go South and there's three drops again, but they, they need, he needs something. If this is a little bit of a mental block, he needs something to get out of it. And it, it feels like, practice is great he had that great practice earlier in the week that i wrote about and then it went south again right after that so it it feels like they need to get him going in a game situation even if it is a third preseason game yeah um again i mean i I just think it's a little bit more on the radar something that we monitor uh going forward but you know not not what you wanted to see i mean he had a really opportunity to make some plays i mean if he catches that ball Mm -hmm. you know you he, he could have been some after the catch stuff i mean there's so you you come away and you're you're definitely not feeling that as far as the rest of it goes offensively I, I don't know I mean it's Brandon Allen it's this and that it's I'm not I didn't even though they were god awful <laughs> I mean I'm I'm not really gonna take away too much of I don't know it's Brandon Allen. You know, like if we're if Brandon Allen's in this year, you know, nobody's gonna be feeling good. I mean, he they'll, they'll be feeling better than Dungey and Shermer, yes, but, uh, <laughs> but still not feeling good. I mean, it just it, it it was just so out of sorts tonight, and and a lot of it was the early penalties, and then but but Brandon Allen was he had some opportunities there was a third down I think it was a third down play to Irwin and he had him open in the flat and he threw wide to him he was he just was not sharp at all and what at one point I tweeted out they had run 20 plays for 45 yards and it was it was a good sign that they they came out in the third quarter and put that drive together and and at least got something going but yeah it was it it was not not very pretty at all not much to watch offensively tonight I don't know that um anybody really stood out. I, Chris Evans had a couple nice runs. Um, Trent Irwin had another big catch. Um, 
feels like he's got a target on his head. It's the second week in a row he's drawn a, a flag, um, and he did fumble, but right at the goal line. But he got lucky that there was that flag there, and they got the ball back. Um, but yeah, there's just it was just a continuation where defense plays great, offense you're still scratching your head. Yeah, and we'll see how much that changes when number nine comes in. The, you tend to scratch your head less when nine plays. You would think. You know? so, <laughs> so that's the one thing. And I think if you're – one thing that you can bet will probably come around, it, it will be that. Um, as far as the offensive line goes, we always want to update that. I think what we saw tonight is what we're going to see against Minnesota. You know, I think we're. I think it's settling in. Now, no Deontay Smith to kind of continue to try to make that case. It's really, to me, one of the only variables left. I I. I, I don't see Michael Jordan as a starter. I don't think they view him that way. I think they've kind of felt like he's kind of who he is at this camp and early on. And it always, you know, we talked about this in the beginning. It always felt like early on, early in the season, you're going to revert to the guys you know. You're going to revert to 64 and 58 career starts. We saw it tonight. And I feel like that's the direction that you're going to be headed now going forward. It's going to be Spain. It's going to be Suofilo. Uh, you're going to have a whole lot of veterans on that offensive line. And that's where it's going to land for the early portion of the season. That may change. Um, they may feel like they need to bring in some young, powerful energy that's coming along in practice as it goes along. But I think what you saw tonight is where this thing's going to end up. Yeah. And that that's the key. That I, it, It's the week one starting guards most likely but there's you, you it feels like there's a chance that 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 could evolve as the season goes on we've talked about Deontay Smith and um if he's grown this this much this quickly you, you would think that that can continue and they may trust him a little more as the season goes on I think Zach had a a comment at his post-game press conference that he may regret saying we don't have any starting guards it sounds like we don't have any starting caliber guards but I think what Obviously, what he meant was we haven't settled on any starting guards, but um, I don't know that that's 100% true either because it, it does feel like what we saw tonight. Um, even though last week it looked like it felt like Michael Jordan was going to be the week one starter, uh, it, it to have Xavier go or Xavier go from uh, playing mostly in the second half last week to, to starting the game and, and staying out there with the, the ones the whole time this week, that's, that's what we're probably going to see September 12th. Yep. Uh, also, other notes for me, I would say Jalen Davis and Darius Hodge are making this team. Yep. I mean, I think they've done enough. They've played well enough to the point. I wonder how much they'll even play next week. Um, and you know, with Osai being down and they're short on ends right now. I mean, you could I, Hodge has been the best of the rest for sure, and. He came in unblocked tonight at one point, which is kind of unfair to say, like, oh, great rush. But <laughs> he did get back there. Uh, he did get back there. And he's, and he's you know, proven his ability to get back there and was playing with that first-team rotational for a reason, I think, giving him a shot. And and uh, he's looked pretty good doing it. And Jalen Davis just continues to show up everywhere and showing up on special teams, too, a little bit more tonight, uh, which is going to be a big deal for him when he's coming in there and he's your backup slot essentially back up to Mike Hilton. Uh, so you're, you know, I, I think, I think they, I'll say they, I think they cemented it tonight. Yeah. I think when the snap counts come out in the morning, it's, it's going to be Jalen Davis and Cam Sample are going to be the two leaders. They were, they were out there a lot. Um, 
I was surprised that that Darius Hodge was not as much. They gave him some early run, and then they kind of they pulled him off the field later. That, that's a good sign for him that that they feel like they know what he is, and obviously they've they've got issues with edge rushers with injuries. Um, I, I'm more sold on Jalen Davis making the team, but you have to worry at this point if if you don't if Darius Hodge does not make this team, does he get plucked uh, by another team? off of waivers and they don't even get the chance to bring him through to the practice squad. I think that's going to have to weigh into their, their decision too, that he, it may be safer to keep him on the 53. Absolutely. Uh, much more to dive into in terms of the 53 man roster and some ramifications for that. Bengals have to get down to 80 on Tuesday. Then they will play the dolphins at home this weekend, Sunday and have to get all the way down to 53 by the Tuesday after that, and uh, then we'll have a couple of weeks as we just count down to the opener. So looking forward to that. We'll continue to uh, bring you all to hear that podcast grounds your your heart can desire. Uh, but for now, Jay, it's really late. Yeah, my really flight late. leaves in like six hours, and I still have to write my story. <laughs> so we should go ahead and wrap this baby up. Thanks, everybody, for listening, and we'll talk to you next time on Hear That Podcast Ground. Hey, football fans, this is Diana Rossini from The Athletic. Get the top stories in pro football snapped directly to your inbox with our latest NFL newsletter, Scoop City. Jacob Robinson and I will bring you the daily scoop of top NFL articles, posts, and podcasts every Monday to Friday. Sign up for free now at theathletic.com backslash scoop.